welcome to the Rider Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. What's up, everybody? And Larry Korea. Hey, guys. Today's episode, Intro to Marketing. Welcome back to the Rider Dojo, everybody. Glad to have you all with us. Now, today, we have a special guest with us who's even more special to Larry and I than usual, and that is Producer Jack. Producer Jack, say hey. Hey. All right. Now, today's topic is going to be about, is kind of our intro to marketing. Um, but before I get into that, uh, real quick, a couple quick things. You'll notice that this audio sounds a smidge different. And that's because we're kind of doing a technical test with some online stuff and using, using some online recording software and whatever. Uh, that's for a couple of reasons. One, it'll make it a lot easier for us to record uh, with guests. And two, it'll make it a lot easier for us to deal with uh, crazy, you know, crazy random stuff that happens in life, like what's going on with me right now. So uh, that's why we're recording this way. Have patience with us. Understand that we've been spoiling you with a great recording from the great studio before, but now we're going to just sound like every other podcast for, you know, for this episode. So anyway, all that's out of the way. Today is a cool episode. When we were down in FenCon several weeks ago, uh, yeah, Jack and I were on a panel together and it was about marketing. And when I was on it and Jack was on it, we were, we were talking about all these things and Pretty much as soon as the thing ended, we looked at each other and said, okay, yeah, th this, should, this should be an episode. Sure. And, we've had a, and we've had a ton of questions from everybody. So, so Jack, what I want you to do real quick is kind of talk to us about marketing, why you love it, why you're into it, and why you're, why you're kind of considered an expert at it. Well, Steve, I am um, in my day job and in, in my... my uh, also secret identity. I've been doing marketing for uh, upwards of 25 years and I am a huge self, uh, self-admitted marketing nerd. I, I read books about marketing. I read blog posts about marketing. I, I listen to podcasts about marketing. I watch videos about marketing. I, I'm just, I, I, I love marketing. And one of the things that I've noticed is that um, there, there's a lot of writers who perhaps have more questions than answers. So mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, provide some basics. Yeah. In addition to uh, like professional marketing careers, uh, I, I he, Jack is a professional marketing guy. Has worked at several companies doing marketing and uh, runs a pretty big marketing company or a company right now that does a bunch of marketing and advertising. He also does all the uh, merchandising and swag for Korea Tech, which is my brand. Uh, and uh, Jack and I have worked together for many years on that. And many, he many, is, many years. And he is really good. The guy is a fountain of ideas. You know, it pretty much only takes just a couple of minutes talking with Jack about marketing to realize how good he is at it and how much he understands about it. And, and, and I think that that's, I mean, Larry and I talk about this sort of thing all the time, right? One, we talk about how awesome Jack is, but two, we, <laughs> we, uh, one of the things we always talk about is look as an author, or as any sort of artist whatsoever, you can't be an expert at everything. It's impossible. And so what's the thing we always say? It's go find the person who is and let them help you. In this case, that guy is Jack for us in terms of marketing. 
So I, I think what I want to start out with is uh, what is the benefit to understanding marketing on a basic level for the author? What, what is that benefit to the author? At its most basic level, um, marketing is connecting uh, a company or an author uh, or a person with the people, the customers, the 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 readers, whatever. It's a, it's about connecting people. That that that's really at a, at its core what good marketing is. Marketing is a huge huge field. There's a lot of aspects to marketing, and it, it really is its own uh, uh, discipline. And there's a lot of people who focus on individual parts of marketing. Like you have people who specialize in advertising and they just really get at advertising. You know, um, not all and not all marketing is advertising, but all advertising is marketing. Um, so the ability for an author to better connect with their their readers, their customers, that that's all marketing. And um, I, I think Larry can tell you because Larry's actually innately uh, just inherently good at marketing because he connects well with his fans, right? And he always has. Yeah, I'm nodding along at that. Uh, I, that's one of the things that's helped me is that I'm, I'm a pretty good writer, but there's a lot of better writers out there than me who aren't as successful as I am just because they don't know how to market themselves. They don't they don't know how to create their brand and they don't know how to connect with their fans. So I guess one of the first steps in in connecting with fans and stuff, and I know we've had a lot of questions about this, Jack, and that has to do with websites. Mm. And because uh, generally, when you go online to look up Joe Schmo or, you know, say, look up Larry Career, look up Steve Diamond or whoever, you type us in and and hopefully there's a website out there. Uh, I say this as mine's being built currently, so you can't type in my name and get to my website. And that's bad. So what are some of the what are some of the most important aspects about website, uh, about a, an author website or about a personal website? that that you can talk about jack well first first and foremost i mean you you have to have a website right in in this day and age um it, it it's not a luxury it's a requirement right everybody's going to go look for you um you need to have somewhere to send them if someone says oh I, I i'm interested in that you don't just want to send them to the bookstore right because they can see the books for themselves but you, you want to connect them to your website right so First, you need to have a website. The, in putting together a website, you need to figure out, sit down and write a list of what your website is going to be. What is it for, right? Like um, in the case of the Monster Hunter Nation, it started out just uh, Larry as, as a blog, just cataloging his, uh, his start in writing, right? Um, and I, I've recently went back and read the very first few ones, and he was like, oh, well, I'm supposed to have a blog. Here we go. And that thing at uh, – how high did that get in the rankings, Larry? Um, at one point when I was doing it constantly, and it was back when there was some political stuff going on, we were in the top 50,000 uh, websites in America. And, and you got to keep in mind that 50,000 number, that's – you know, 50,000 is a lot, but – how many websites are there in the world, you know, in America? I mean, you know, well, yeah, kind of, and I was like 50,000, that means 35,000 of ahead of us were porn. Absolutely. And then you've got another 15,000 of clickbait articles. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was pretty good, but the honest, it, it's not as high now just because I haven't been doing it as much. Um, but honestly, for for the purpose, I mean, it served its purposes at the time, mm-hmm. and it still does, and it's still kind of a clearinghouse of information. And I keep people up to date, and I do monthly update posts, and uh, we run the newsletter through there. It's just a really good way for authors to to stay in touch with their fans and keep them alert as to what they're doing. Right. So blog that that's your first and most basic type whenever you have a new uh, a new release whenever uh servants of war uh part two comes out you're going to want to be able to send that out to as many people as possible um the 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 website's a really good place to do that and you know you can post progress and where you are everything else and all um if you're a photographer you're going to want to have um a portfolio Right, you're you're going to want to have your photos available where people can see them. You might want a website for uh, uh, selling merchandising, right? Like if you're selling autographed copies of your book, or you're selling um, T-shirts or whatever it is you're selling, um, you might want to have an e-commerce uh, side to your website as well. Um, we're currently right now with Larry's stuff, we're doing that uh, in in an off system. But in the not too distant future, that'll be a more integrated experience and all. So when you're starting out your website, first thing to do is sit down and write a list of everything you want your website to do, right? Because then you know what you need to do shopping around and looking around and all. I'm a big fan of uh, WordPress, not WordPress.org, just you know the, the WordPress platform, which is the most popular one in the world right now. I think 45% of all websites um, including things like uh, the, the White House or CNN or the New York Times. They all run WordPress because it, it's become so popular that there's uh, you can basically make it do anything that you want it to do, right? But a lot of writers don't want to sit and figure all that stuff out, and, and that's fair, right? Like that, That's its own thing. Um, web developers make money. Uh, because it is something that not everybody can do. So um, if you want to get a, a Wix website or whatever, I mean, there's a lot of options out there um, if you know what you're looking for. Now, how hard is it to how hard is it to go out there and find someone who for a very, very, very cheap or reasonable price can get you going on this? You can go to uh, Wix or Foursquare or any one of these type of things. And they have a, a flat platform that you can just drag and drop your information on there and be up and running in under a day. Um, it costs a little more than hosting your own stuff, but you're paying for that convenience. It is convenient. So it doesn't sound too bad to me. And I know that because uh, I know that this is pretty intimidating to a lot of people. Frankly, I have no desire myself to make my own website. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds awful and horrible to me. I'd much rather, you know, pay someone or, you know, uh, have someone else do that for me. Sure. But I, I guess one of my big questions is, I, and and we hear about this all the time, and and I think this will be our last question, kind of before we hit hit our first break, and that's how much uh, is there like kind of like a golden ratio in terms of how much time you should be spending blogging and and interacting on your website versus like actually doing your your job? That is a great question, Steve. You're a business with a brand. As a writer, uh, you are your own business and you need to think accordingly, right? So most small businesses dedicate between 
10 to 20% of their income into their marketing efforts. Walmart made $541 billion last year. Um, they spent $3.9 billion on advertising, right? Which is less than 1%. I think that's like 0.7% or something like that and all. But they were one of the first companies to spend over a billion dollars in advertising. And they're Walmart. They don't really need to advertise and all. But um, as writers, you don't necessarily have billions of dollars or anything else and all. But what you have is time, right? The time that you could spend uh, putting words on paper, you know, button, chair, hand on keyboard, um, putting the words out that that that's your primary focus right so especially when you're starting out figure out how much time a week how much time each week you have to work on writing if you say okay i can dedicate two hours a day to writing every single day of the week so you have 14 hours right so set aside 10 percent of that say uh, an hour and a half one hour and a half every week spread out commit to working on the website, you know, writing things for the blog, connecting on social media. Watch your numbers. Don't go above 10%, especially when you're starting out and you don't have a lot of books underneath you. It's really easy to fall into the trap of, you know, at the end of the week, how much time did you spend on social media? How much time did you spend actually writing, right? Um, you should spend 10% trying to connect with people and build your audience, but don't spend, you know, if you find out at the end of the week that you spent 50% of the time on social media, you're not doing it right. Right. Yeah. We've seen guys that, uh, they, they, they take a great uh, deal of pleasure in like, Ooh, I've got 90,000 Twitter followers. Yeah. But you don't have any books to sell them because you focused on that instead of selling books or instead of creating books to sell. <laughs> right. So if you're a writer, your first job need your priority needs to be writing. All right. I think right now what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, there's a few other little things that I know Jack wants to talk about uh, offline before we, before we got onto the, before we got onto this uh, recording, he was talking to me about this really interesting concept and he refused to explain it to me. So uh, he's going to explain, I know. So he, it's his diabolical plan. It's probably going to be something silly, but we'll see. Uh, so, We'll be right back. Autumn 1939. The war that the Western nations have long dreaded has erupted in Europe. After the conquest of Western Poland by Germany, the war on land settles into the so-called phony war. But the war at sea is anything but phony, especially when the French government accuses the Republic of Texas of providing aid to Germany. After a devastating sneak attack, Commodore Carl von Stahlberg is thrust into command of the Texas battle fleet. Can he defend Texas against the French onslaught, or will Texas be defeated? The Lone Star, the Tricolor, and the Swastika by D.A. Brock. Book two in the Republic of Texas Navy series. Available now on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. Pick up your copy today. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Now, How about that ad, chapter, Steve? What's that? How about that ad? That book sounded great, didn't it? That book sounds amazing. And if people don't go out and buy it, and then afterwards leave a review, I'm going to be deeply disappointed. Those reviews matter. They, they matter. All Every review matters, uh, especially if they're good ones. If they're bad reviews, you can shut your mouth. So we're back. Glad to have everyone back with us. First half of the episode 
Jack was telling us about marketing and websites and, and things like that. Now, there's a couple things in this back half of the episode that we want to talk about. But the first one is, Jack, you were talking to me about this concept called sharecropping. Now, I know what sharecropping is, but not in the context of what you're talking about. And so what I need you to do is stop sounding like a crazy person to me and explain what this is. So sharecropping uh, came about during Reconstruction after the Civil War, and it was a way for um, poor, uh, poor people and uh, freed slaves to, uh, to, to be able to survive. They were given land that belonged to a landowner, and they were allowed to work that land in return for keeping a part of the crop. So the landowner owned the land. The sharecropper worked the land. And at the end of the year, most of it went to the landowner, right? Mm -hmm. And it was a, a terrible disaster of a system. And uh, basically, a lot of the, uh, the the sharecroppers ended up deeper in debt than when they started because they had to borrow money and they had to uh, keep borrowing things and buying things on credit. And before you know it, they, uh, um, they, 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 they were completely broke and now they owned the landowners everything, right? Does that line up with what you remember? Yep, yep. So here's the thing. That's exactly what social media is doing. Okay. So you're right. saying that's kind of a Ponzi scheme. I am. So right now, um, anytime you post great content on Facebook, right, and you share this with all of your followers and all, all the, the people who tuned in to hear you, Facebook is putting your product in front of their customers, and they're putting ads, their ads, in front of your customers. You don't own that content. So essentially, if you spend all of your effort on social media, um, you're making the landowners uh, quite wealthy, and they're happy for you to continue to do so. But okay, so, so, then, so then I guess my question then becomes, uh, because we, we, we do have to use the necessary evil of, of social media. Right. Uh, and I mean, I know, I know Larry's, Larry's actually pretty good at this, uh, when he's not banned and, uh, <laughs> which is a lot, which is most, uh, you, you've been pretty good lately. Although maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. Yeah. We're a little yeah, worried I'm, about that. I'm jinxed now. Thanks a lot, Steve. You're welcome. Uh, th that that's what villains do. So, <laughs> but there, there has to be. I guess there has to be a portion of the time where you have to accept what that evil is and figure out how to maximize it. So without, without getting Ponzi schemed, without getting pyramid schemed, how can you maximize then your use of social media? So there's two things you can do. If you're writing a long form essay or anything that's too lengthy, put it on your blog. You can then copy it over to all the social media everywhere else and all, but you still own that. It's yours. The other thing is if you're on, say, Facebook doing, oh, I don't know, uh, picking fights with people uh, <laughs> over stupid <laughs> inaities, 
<laughs> then Weird. what you do is no you, idea. You copy that and you put it on your blog because now it's yours again, right? Um, if if someone like say Larry, if he decides to eviscerate some CISG on his page, we all get a laugh and then it's gone. But if we copy that and we paste it and we make a blog article out of it, then they can't bury it. Now it belongs to him again. It seems to me, Larry, that um, w- listening to Jack talk about this, I can think of a lot of some of your really successful like Fisking articles or, or just informational articles that have a certain tone uh, that, have, that have really fulfilled this purpose. So I, I, I'm just curious, Larry. Now, did, you, did Jack give you that advice when, when you were writing some of these articles, when you were doing some of this a while ago, or, or, or did some of that just kind of come naturally to you? Yeah, well, the way it actually works is um, the stuff that I write on Facebook now that goes viral, or uh, I, I do a Twitter thread that goes viral because people enjoy it. It's funny. Uh, Jack is the one who actually had the idea of copying that over the blog. Uh, the opinionated blog articles that I've written over the years that have gone viral, uh, that was just me being me because that was just stuff that I would say anyway. Um, and I think that's one important thing for a writer is, you know, kind of be yourself uh, as you're doing this. You know, you're going to have to present yourself to the world and you have to think about how you're going to present yourself to the world. So don't, don't write any checks that you can't cash. You know, don't pretend to be something you're not. And just be yourself, but be your better self. Be, be the, 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 the likable, approachable version of yourself. And, uh, you know, get your thoughts out there. You're a writer. That, I think that I, I actually want to come back to that. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. Well, because that's about being the brand, but real quick um, yeah. early on before Facebook was really a thing, Larry wrote a blog article about H and K. Oh yeah. Uh, clear back in 2007 when I was, it was 2007. Yeah. I, I, just, I was writing the self published version of monster hunter. Now, if he had put that on Facebook, he would have gotten, hundreds of, of laughs and you tell them Larry, and then it would have been gone, but he put it on his blog. And because it was on his blog, it was easier to share across different platforms and everything else and all. So it went viral to the point that H and K, I mean, don't, don't they still, uh, aren't they acknowledging it now, Larry? Oh yeah. Their customer service is like a thousand percent better <laughs> than when I wrote that. They, they actually took it to heart, which is kind of amazing. Well, the Americans did. I can't, I, I don't know about the Germans, but the Americans certainly did. So the point is, is that that was before he could let it be memory hold on Facebook or Twitter or any of those others, right? Because he put it on his blog, which everybody needs to do, put it on your blog. Now, one of the things that, uh, that I kind of want to, spin back to just a little bit. And I think it's some one of the things that, that you want to talk about too, Jack. And that's the idea of, of personal branding, um, you know, using yourself as your brand and all of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one of the things Larry was talking about was, was, you know, being you, being yourself, being the, mm-hmm, the normal mm-hmm. kind of approachable self that you are. And I, I think, I think one of the mistakes people make and, and feel free, both of you guys, to disagree with me. And that's that uh, we see what's successful mm-hmm. for someone else, you know, say, you know, like, you know, like the three of us, right? 
we, we've known each other for a little while now. Um, me and me and Jack a little bit less with each other than with us versus Larry. Right. Sure. And we see Larry doing all these things online. And I think there's a lot of people who do this sort of thing and they think, well, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be super political like Larry is. And they think that if they subsume or, or co-opt someone else's kind of online brand and online marketing persona, that it'll work for them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't think that that, I don't think that that's true. And in many cases, I don't think it's healthy because you're not being yourself. You're not mm-hmm. being unique mm-hmm. and you're not evaluating you're not taking into consideration that what works for someone else won't necessarily work for you. Right. So me, me personally, um, while Larry and I tend to have actually very, very similar politics, uh, the way, the way that I say things and do things online is almost night and day different than how Larry does. Mm-hmm. And that's just cause that's not who I am and I'm not going to pretend to be that guy. So, I, I guess this is my long, long winding way of getting to the question, Jack, and that's how does a person determine who they are so that they can market that, so that they can become their own brand? This is one that uh, you and I talked about at FinCon on exactly. that panel, Steve. So don't try to be Larry Korea. Uh, that's already taken and you can't pull it off. You will not be as good at it. You will fail. Yeah, he's way better at it than you are. He is so good at being Larry Curry, you just don't even know. I, I so, don't even think about it. It just comes naturally. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're building your brand, your personal brand, and you are, anytime you have an interaction with someone, you are building your brand. So what what I suggest doing is a simple exercise. Sit down and write three adjectives that describe what you slash your brand are or how you present yourselves, right? So, for example, um, Larry, uh, let's see, we got confrontational <laughs> because he enjoys it. He's a, he's a fighter. He enjoys fighting. Um, he's he's hilarious. I mean, he, he's very. Let's go with eloquent, right? So he he's eloquent. He's hilarious and he's confrontational, right? Now the Steve Diamond brand is um not confrontational um he, he's it's it's more of a, a wry sense of humor um how would you describe your brand steve yeah you know i would i would say a bit more uh i would say i'm definitely more more um relaxed uh mm-hmm, than, mm-hmm. than larry is i do think i have a more wry or more sarcastic sense of humor for sure um and uh and uh, let's see, what would be my third one? Horrific. <laughs> just, just, just so that everyone out there has to take a drink. It's true. <laughs> he's big on the horror. Whereas my online brand is much more, um, uh, I, I'm not confrontational. Uh, I am more um, uh, diplomatic, uh, yeah. helpful, and approachable. That's what I shoot for. And... If Larry tried to be Steve Diamond, it would not work. Right. And if Steve Diamond tried to be Jack Wilder, that would not work. Um, It'd be really cool to be somebody else sometimes, but you know what? You got to be you. So if you're going to be online, 
be you just as 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 you as you possibly can be. So, Jack, tell me tell me if this sounds reasonable to you and, and you too, Larry. Tell me if this sounds reasonable. So so Larry and I always talk about how uh, while every story more or less has been written, the one thing that, that hasn't happened is it hasn't been written by you uh, because mm-hmm. your voice is unique. Mm-hmm. So if if you are telling stories in your unique voice, then shouldn't you be marketing and branding yourself with your same unique voice? That is, that is so well put, Steve. You, you're yeah, absolutely I would, correct. I, I think I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. And, and most of the successful authors we know, you you can look at their, their or as far as successful as far as online marketing, you can kind of look at their personas that they present, and they're consistent. They, uh, they, they do what they do and people know who they are and they kind of, they, it's that brand. They get to know that brand. So, yeah, I I think that's accurate. So I I think the next thing that, that I kind of want to go into when it comes to all this sort of stuff is, and this is going to be a bit more topical to you, Jack, and that's because of, of a book that you just had coming out. That, that you just had come out. Now, when it comes to marketing, marketing isn't just what you're saying online and it's not, it's, it's not just all that stuff. It's also um, the product that you put out and how it looks and how it's, uh, and how it's received by people. And uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about book covers, both in terms of art and design. And and I kind of want you to talk a little bit, Jack, about about the book that you had that you just that you just had come out. Okay, um, uh, my book is not specifically about uh, doing book covers, but there no. there I, I do run through an example of it. It's called an illustrated guide to AI prompt mastery, and what it is is it's a uh, basic primer for people using the new AI art bots um, to create art. Um, if you haven't looked into it, 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 it's it's fascinating stuff. It really is. Um, but this this book is it, it, it's system agnostic, right? Like if you're using uh, Stable Diffusion or you're using Midjourney. We're using Night Cafe. It doesn't matter. Like the, these are, uh, it, it's all the same across the board. So I got into uh, one particular section where I'm talking about book covers because book covers are one of the most important things that an author can um, can do. It, it's one of the most important decisions that you as an author will make is what cover you're going to put on that book. Because people do judge books by their covers, right? Every day. So every single day. Right. So that's why you have people like Kurt Miller who uh, do these amazing covers, right? I mean, you look at it, you'd say, wow, that's uh, you know, that, that's a Kurt Miller. Um, Frazetta, that that's where he he made his bones. That's where uh, uh, Julie Bell and and, and uh, Boris Vallejo um, that, that that's what they're known for, you know, is their covers. And people would buy the books just because of the cover. They didn't even care what was in there because the cover is so good on that. So what the AI does is it creates the way I prefer to use it is I create assets that I can then composite together. 
right? So I don't I don't make a piece where I say, um, you know, oh, here's the cover and I'm done, right? I, I make a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there and put it all together in Photoshop. Now, one of the often overlooked aspects, um, and this is something that AI artwork does not help at all with, is typography, yep. right? Um, the way you structure... Uh, the, the way the words on the cover look is is so important. Um, Rebecca Haskell does beautiful work, and, and I'm calling her out on this. You should go check her stuff out. She does digital painting, and and she's she's amazing. But her typography is really what sets her apart, right? And the typography is the stuff that AI can't do. So even having the ability to generate an image that looks really cool and, oh, I'm going to use that as my book cover. That's not enough. You're probably still going to want to talk to a professional artist and get them to help you with the typography side of things. So is it, is it fair to say that, because um, once again, I want to go back to the, to, the, to the thought of we can't be experts in everything. Right. And uh, I'm certainly not an artist. Um, I don't even play one on TV. Um, Larry, Larry plays one on TV occasionally. Uh, and, uh, but is it fair to say that if a person were to pick up, uh, to pick up your book and were to kind of go through the process of, of kind of the, the how to, how to, how to use these AI prompts, the, the prompt mastery, so to speak, could they then take some of those ideas that they have? And then take that and approach some sort of artist and say, hey, I think it's something sort of in the vein of this. Maybe not exactly this, obviously, but something in the vein of this. Um, and then uh, could, could you could you do something along this vein? What, what, does that make sense? Am I making sense? No, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. So um, essentially that that's. Even if you're an author. And, and you use the AI art bot, um, if you can kind of get in the ballpark of what you're looking for, then you're going to have a lot less back and forth with the author or the artist, right, who's doing your cover. Because um, you two both know you've been through the process and all. There's a lot of back and forth with the artist as you say, well, you know, uh, they. for example, when, when, when you were doing uh, the cover for Tower of Silence, right, Um did you send the book over to Kurt and say, here, read the entire thing and then come back with something? Or did you give him some kind of an idea of what you wanted? Uh, on that one, I gave him a couple scene descriptions because it was early enough in the process and I was far enough behind on the book that I didn't have a finished manuscript for him. Um, and I, so basically at the time that uh, Kurt got assigned to do that cover, I was probably only about halfway through the rough draft. I was really behind on this one. It's done now, thank goodness. And so I sent it over to Kurt and uh, that part. And then I also told them about a couple scenes. I was like, this scene has this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. And Kurt actually picked the one that he thought was the most interesting. And then he came back and he asked me a bunch of questions about it. And I kind of like walked him through and gave better descriptions uh, and went from there. Because with Tower of Silence, with that series, uh, with the Saga of the Forgotten Warrior, there's a uh, front cover art. And there's also a back cover art. So the, the, the front cover has kind of like a usually like a stylized epic fantasy look with like kind of just a couple of images. And then the back usually has like a real painting um, is how we've done that one. And so Kurt for the real painting did actually this really cool thing based on a scene 
just based off my description that I gave him via email. Right. So, so there's a lot of back and forth uh, between the artist and the author. Now, how much faster would it be if Larry could say, hey, Kurt, this is what I'm after and send him not not necessarily uh, a finished product or anything else, but kind of lay out sort of what he's thinking. Right. It's going to speed it up. It's going to make it so much faster. And artists like uh, like like most professionals, time is money. Right. If you have to go back and forth and it takes two, three months to get the cover done, it's going to cost you more than if they did it in a week. Yeah, I know you've had some uh, clients where you've done some book covers over the years that it's been like that. And not just book covers, where where you've done merchandise for other authors where they couldn't make up their minds or they waffled or or they couldn't really tell you what to do, that kind of thing. Not that I'm calling anybody out by name. (laughs) Right. So to your point, Steve, you're right. That's absolutely a wonderful usage of that. Um, And so in my book, I kind of go through... um, I go through the different uh, uh, an assortment of different artists, right? So whenever you contact uh, your artist, whoever it might be, um, you're able to say, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm looking for something kind of in a Frazetta vein, right?" And you can give them some example of what you're looking for. It's yes, I think that's a brilliant usage of it. So beyond all of the, again, this is our this is our introduction into marketing chat. Uh, we're obviously going to have more in-depth conversations about this at you know future dates and whatnot. But for right now, in terms of introduction into marketing, what is the most, uh, the most often mistake or the, the mistake that people make the most often when it comes to marketing? When it comes to marketing, you need to, it's pretty much a summation of what we've already said. You need to um, you need to have your brand defined and stick to it, and don't waste your time unnecessarily, right? Um, like the example Larry was talking about, and and we all know people like this: people who just spend all their time on social media trying to build followers for their next book instead of writing the next book, right? Yeah. Like that's where you need to be spending your time. 10% is, is a good number after you've written your first book. If you haven't written a book, don't worry about building your audience yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, before I had, you know, before Servants of War came out, before Residue came out, even what, even after Residue came out, um, you know, no one knew who I was. So who, like, who exactly am I going to be all pithy and, uh, you know, and eloquent towards, you know, the guy from elitist book reviewers. Yeah. I I was that guy, you know, and, and I had, and because of elitist book reviews, I had more people that knew me because of that than because of my writing. And look at a certain point, and, and to be honest, that that's why I started elitist book reviews to begin with was so that I can make connections. And, uh, you know, it was, it was playing the really, 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 really long game when it came to very grassroots marketing and that's, you know, getting to meet editors, getting to meet publicists, things of that nature. And here you are. 
And here I am. All of these, you know, it only took me about 15 years to become an overnight success that, <laughs> I'm, that I'm still not quite the overnight success yet. But I, I think that I, I really like a lot of the things that you're saying, Jack. And that's um, obviously that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on. Uh, well, because, I appreciate that. Well, you understand these things. Like you said, when we were at FenCon, uh, when, when Jack says that he's kind of a nerd for, for marketing stuff, like he's underselling it. Uh, he, he loves this stuff. It's true. He eats, he drinks, he breathes it and, and he's good at it. And there were, there were a number of conversations that, that just either he, he and I had, or me, him and Larry had, or whoever, and, or, or just other people that, you know, we were having conversations with. And it all kind of came down to, to a lot of the same sort of things, a lot of these basics that Jack was talking about. And they all just kind of, uh, just kind of naturally came out of the conversations a lot like how, you know, when I'm talking, I talk about horror all the time, mm-hmm. and it just kind of comes up in conversations and it comes out and that's because you love it. It's true. It's true. So, I am a, I'm a huge fan of marketing. Now I will say this about marketing. Um, one of the things I've noticed is that marketing changes so quickly and mm-hmm. so fast. I mean, um, everything changes almost every year. It, it's uh, if you're not a big old marketing nerd like I am, it's tough to keep up. And things that um, you know, people say, "Oh, well, this this is the the key to marketing." Well, maybe it was five years ago, but is it today? Because it might have changed, you know? So especially whenever you're reading, you know, older articles and everything else about marketing and all, keep that in mind that that it changes constantly and it's tough to keep, keep, keep on top of things. Now, um, I do my best to try to keep up with it, but I'm not, you know... Um, I'm not always able to do all aspects, everything, but I'll tell you right now that one of the big things that um, I think is going to be explosive and it's going to continue to grow right now um, is, is uh, podcasting. Podcasting is huge and it's getting bigger because it, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything, right? Like you, you can go on anchor and you can have a podcast tomorrow and if, if you have good content, you're connecting with people. It's a great way to do it. I, I was so interested in it that I said, hey, Larry, we should start a podcast. And here we are. Yeah, exactly. Now, Larry, I have a question for you. And, and I'm, I'm curious as to your, your viewpoint on this. You've been working with Jack for a lot longer than I have, obviously. You've known, I mean, you've been, you've been bros with, with Jack forever. I'm curious on the marketing side, what's one of the biggest takeaways that you've had learning from from Jack's expertise as a marketing guy. Oh man, my biggest takeaway honestly is I'm glad he's here. <laughs> Cuz I am not that guy that keeps up. I I got lucky early on just by, you know, having my personality being the kind of, you know, I'm a storyteller and that kind of that, that's really close to being a salesman, you know? So I had that going for me. But um, honestly, we'll have to do another episode where we talk specifically about like like expanding your brand into like merchandising your your universes, and then mm-hmm. uh, we might have that, to bring Jill on for that one. Yeah, Absolutely. seriously. Yeah, bring Jack, Jack and Jill. Um, but yeah, so but Jack, the biggest my biggest takeaway is there are a million things that you aren't going to think of, and what I mean by that is there are things that we do now 
or there are business things that we've done in the past that we've you know made some pretty good money off of and made a lot of fans happy that I never even would have thought of. I, I wouldn't even thought of those things as possibilities because my my knowledge base was too limited. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So I, I think so if, if you're out there and you're a writer and you're listening to this and you're trying to think like how can you market better, keep an open mind, listen to ideas. And just constantly keep looking for people uh, that that will want to do stuff with you, and then make good decisions and and do whatever you can to expand your brand. So, like for me, I I hooked up with Jack pretty early on, and that opened up a lot of opportunities for me to expand my brand in ways that I, on myself, I never would have thought of. For me, for me, one of the the biggest things that I've learned one it's from Jack specifically, uh, and that's and it's not. It's not any different than, than what we talked about before, but when it comes to marketing and look, you, you guys got to understand, I have a degree in marketing. Like I'm not stupid at this, but I am far from smart at this. And there's, there's a lot of ground in between being somewhat okay at this to being a professional at it, which is what Jack is. And listening to him talk about these things, like Larry said, having this open mind, um, it's, it's been very enlightening and being able to trust a professional like Jack is a big deal. I mean, the reason that this podcast is called the writer dojo is because of Jack. We had our own, we had our own name for it and it was a good name. It was a good name. It's a good name, but, but writer dojo is a better name. And, and that's because, Larry and I listen to a professional. So guys, listen to your professionals. Now we only have a couple minutes left. So Jack, I want to give you the floor for one last little bit to plug yourself again, plug your, plug your book again and, uh, and tell everyone where they can find you. I am pretty Not in a much... physical sense. Not in a physical <laughs> sense. Don't give them your address. That's highly classified. So an illustrated guide to AI prompt mastery is available on Bain.com or Amazon. Um, I am usually found online somewhere uh, uh, moderating some author's page or another. Um, I'm not that difficult to find, really. Um, I, I have the floor for a moment. I'm going to say this. Get out there and review some books right? I'm not talking about my book. I'm talking about writers that you go, oh man, I really like his stuff. Go review his book. If you read uh, a book and you like it, just stop off on, on Amazon and say, hey, five stars, man, that Servants of War, that was great. Because here's the thing, um, whenever you see Larry Korea and, and Steve Diamond, you're like, oh yeah, they're they're great. You know, They're huge. They're, they're going to be you know the next big thing and all. They still like those reviews and those reviews still count. They matter because that's what puts that book in front of other eyeballs, right? So uh, if, if, if you have a friend who, who's getting started, they just put out their first book, go review. Spread the word. Like word of mouth is the best advertising, the best marketing there is, is when somebody says, hey, dude, you've got to read this, right? That's how Larry got his start. And every single person listening to this has that ability, right? Like you can recommend something that you enjoyed to somebody else, then you can really help that writer out. Awesome. Well, Jack, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on the podcast and actually being on it. And instead of just having to edit us as we cough and hack our way through every episode, 
I even so, used my real voice for this. I know, I know. It wasn't it wasn't sexy DJ voice that you were having to use for the whole podcast. So that, was, that was interesting. You know, I, I seriously considered the entire time doing the whole thing in Irish accent. You just go, oh yeah, no, that's just the introduction voice, you know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That'd be like me doing my bad Krasnobian for the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> hard. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it, and we'll have to do this again. Uh, We definitely are going to do it again. Uh, So thank you very much. And to all the Rider Dojo listeners out there, thank you guys so much for your support. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Rider Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. I, I don't even think about it. It just comes naturally. <laughs>